been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your host, J.D. Harris and friends are getting the discussion together. So it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your host of the man cave, J.D. Harris and friends. What's going on, everybody? Uh, happy Wednesday. Uh, I will have to say, you know, today is a very tough day for me. I'm trying to make the most out of it. But um, this week, you know, you saw Joe McKnight, uh, former star at USC, shot and killed. Uh, and they're looking at it as a stand your ground deal. Um, and then uh, one that hit closer to home is a good friend. Rashawn Salam, um, he was the number one pick for the Chicago Bears in 1995. He won the Heisman for Colorado. And those of you that don't know Rashawn, a lot of people remember him from fumbling and whatnot. But he rushed for over 1,000 yards for Chicago as a rookie. Um, But more importantly, he was a good dude. I mean, a good friend would come to church with me sometimes, come over to my family's house and uh, just join us for barbecues and things like that. And I recently, when I was in Colorado, I was supposed to meet with, meet up with him, but things just didn't work out that way. So that was rather difficult. And, you know, I was like, well, I can't, you know, we'll catch you next time. And, in fact, I hit him up and was like, hey, fam, how, how's it going? Because he used to always, he had this thing, if you know Rashawn, He'd be like, what's happening, homie? I mean, he was the coolest brother, even when he was upset. Man, it can't be like that, man. Just real cool. So when I hit him up on Facebook, I was like, hey, you know, how you doing, Salam? And uh, he was like, man, life is good, homie. And so for um, the reports right now is like they found him on a bench in Colorado, not too far from the stadium in which he played. Um, and... Found him dead, 42 years old. And it's, I'm sorting through it, but I just want just to say, man, we love you, miss you. And whoever is going through something, reach out to people. You know, be honest, um, be transparent. Because, you know, and those of you, uh, text is good, but I, I'm a big proponent of. If someone crosses your mind, I got this from Dwayne Joseph, a uh, good friend of mine. Pray for it. So if you cross, if I cross your mind, pray for me. Someone else's cross your mind, pray for them. But the next thing, follow up with either a visit or a phone call. I mean, a text is not as personable as it is hearing that person's voice. You can gauge whether they're doing well or not by what they say, whereas a text, you don't kind of get it you know like you know I, yeah. <laughs> Robert you understand like when you deal with me I'm big on hey dude chicks text give me a call <laughs> you know uh, I'm not uh, I haven't assimilated to the whole uh, texting deal so um, but yeah it, so this is tough but you know um, hopefully you know they're going to do some research and find out the deal you know with him you know, what it, it was said to that he's left a note, but I don't want to assume anything till all the facts come out. But, you know, Salam, you're going to be missed, brother. Um, 
And so uh, the, the, the crazy thing today, and I'll, I'll probably go on a little bit about this. The past couple of weeks, I've had this trunk upstairs in my house, and I have a whole bunch of archive stuff in there. You know how when you go to school, you get the big trunk and you put all the stuff in there. So I've amassed probably a lot of different things uh, in there. And so I'm going in there. I reach out. I see a newspaper article from Amsterdam when I was there when Princess Diana died. And it's almost 20 years from that, which is making me age myself. Um, but then... I pulled out a stack of his rookie cards that he gave me and, you know, I had extras and was doing some stuff with him with it, making sure we got some things out to kids and I still had a lot to go. And it made me look back at, you know, all the old cards I had. And I mean, I pulled out a Junior Seau, it hit hard. I pulled out a Dave Dorson card, it hit hard. Uh, especially with, I had saw Dave two weeks before he ended his life. And if you guys didn't see the movie Concussion, he was a part of it. Then, um, so seeing the different people I've interacted with and known. So it, it's, it, it was a tough, tough, tough uh, week, week, weekend and week for me. And it, it followed being in Pittsburgh, uh, where Concussion, the movie was filmed. And I'm telling you, I do not do well with Overcast. Overcast for me is just like, and so now you're there, and I'm seeing some from some of the shooting points of the movie, um, dealing with Joe McKnight and uh, things like that, and so all wasn't gloom and doom. I mean, I the positive things uh, when I was out there, I had the opportunity to go to the uh, the Steelers facility, which they share with Pitt. They have a awesome and can you all say awesome kitchen staff i have this love relationship with food even though i've been eating healthier uh but it was just so good uh went in there was able to spend some time with terry cousin and uh some of the other coaches and pick their brains uh then saturday night before the game went to the chaplain service and uh pastor chad who's actually based out of arizona at church of the nations he is their team chaplain, also used to team chaplain for the Dodgers. So he does the service. I'm sitting next to D'Angelo Williams, who I've had the opportunity to meet before, and Keith Butler, who is the D coordinator for the Steelers that was with me at Cleveland. You know, being able to just spend some time with those guys and talk to them and had dinner with them at, you know, at the team dinner the night before the game. So I felt a little special. I mean, not like I haven't done those things before, but it was always diff different when you could do it with a different organization. So uh, what did you do this weekend? Not so much me talking the whole time, y'all. Hey, man. I'm just glad it warmed up this weekend. It's been a cold week, but uh, just got outside. Just been... Wait, wait. Work. Tell everybody what cold is in Arizona. Hey, anything below... Anything below 35, 40 degrees is cold to us. Oh, it got that cold? Yeah, it was It was getting getting a little chilly outside. He's in Tuscan, Tucson. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, just uh, worked out all weekend, got some training in, uh, kind of relaxed, kicked my feet up. It was a good weekend for me. Oh. I mean, it's always good. You know, any day above ground and standing vertical, can't complain. But anyway, so, and if you all don't know, that's Robert. He's on there. You know, give him, How's it going? there you go. Uh, 
Robert's going to be doing a lot of stuff with the show. And this is funny, as I'm on live, Stacy Lloyd, I see you out there, man. Stacy Lloyd, uh, changing subjects real fast. Stacy and I were in a journalism class at Lake Forest College. And so what we were doing, uh, we actually had in our, we had to do a presentation uh, for our senior project for the journalism class. And so I wish, Stacy, if you had this tape, I want it. So we did our whole deal like a, a sports talk show. And because I had access to uh, the facility for the Bears, we went over there. And so Stacy was my cameraman. And so I was doing interviews with like Ty Sarbrum, who actually used to hang with me and Salam, and uh, Big Cat, except for Stacy recorded Ty Sarbrum in his underwear uh, <laughs> while he was talking. He then cut it out. So anyway, uh, great seeing you on, Stace. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> that threw me off. Hey, I am reading the stuff on Facebook Live, so I will uh, shout out to you, talk to you if you're on subject with us. So anyway, uh, Robert, who's our a step above an intern, but he's doing even some writing for the show. Uh, we were, today, one of the things is, the subject he brought up, the credibility of the CFB college football playoffs with Penn State being left out. That, that's, that was the yeah. first question he kind of started off with. And I'm going to tell you, I think it actually gave credibility to it. Because, first of all, you don't have you have five power conferences, right? Well, they don't have five spots for the playoff system. So, you know what is the determination? Or just like th this year, really, I'll say not so much with the Penn State deal, but what happens when a conference is so much dominant over another conference? So let's, it's kind of like in the NFL, like a, a couple years ago where under 500 teams made the playoffs because the system, the conference was weak. I think it brings a little bit more credibility. What about you? What do you think? Well, back to that point about, you know, a conference being really strong compared to others. You know, you can have more than one team from a conference go to the playoffs, but to have the conference champ be left out and the, guy, the team that didn't even make the conference championship game is the one that made it in. You know, I feel like it should be the other way around and then Ohio State should be you know, put it in the four seed maybe, but um, what about Michigan? I, I to me, I think that the credibility isn't lost, but at the same time, with Penn State being out, I think Michigan should be in there. I think Michigan, because they're in a bigger and a tougher conference this year. I mean, Clemson always didn't look great. Um, Washington. They were kind of tricky, and I, I think that the Big Ten teams, when they played against the Pac-12 teams, what happened? Domination, yeah. So, you know, I felt like, if anything, that the Pac-12 benefited for the f same thing you're saying, but they get their head scalped coming in against the Big 12 or the SEC. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the... The Michigan-Ohio State game, that was kind of a bummer because, you know, somebody had to lose that game, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think both of those teams are quality teams, you know, at least by the eye test, they're top four teams, both of those teams. So it's it's tough that one of those guys had to lose and be left out, but 
It's just the way it works. And, and I think it should be a 18 bracket, a 18 bracket. But here's the other issue. Then you start arguing about nine and ten. Um, but I, I'll say I'll go based off of you. I'll say okay, the Power Five conferences. You have five slots for conference champions. Automatic. Those other three, uh, three slots are the ones where you have to bring up an argument within that conference. It might be within another two conf- two teams within, like, just say the SEC, or it could be like, uh, let's say, a Western Michigan, a MAC school that now we can put into the conversation and make it where it's fair and legitimate in terms of who you're bringing in. Yeah, and it, it leaves no question to see, you know, you know what would actually happen if these teams match up, like Western Michigan, if they actually match up against a Power 5 school. Like, how are they actually going to fare? You know, because we're always left with these questions at the end of the season. You know, what if, you know, what if this team played this team? You know, so. Yeah, and, you know, that what if we might be able to answer after we take this break. What if we don't come back? <laughs> what if, huh? We're out of here. Love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So, uh, before we went into break, we started talking about, you know, some solutions to uh, the college football playoff system. I mean, and... The underlying issue to me, and we both agree, it's a financial issue. It's, okay, the teams, if they take one less game, them not making as much money. Well, I think you need to reduce it so that way uh, you can do it. And we have Maurice on the line. Maurice, are you you there? Hey, what's up, J.D.? What's going on? So you mentioned it, and I agree. Uh, I mean, 12-team wouldn't be bad. So what's your reasoning behind... The 12 team. And real fast, before you do that, I just got to give a quick shout out to Booney Mac and the boys back at home at the bottom line. I see they're in on the show. What's happening, y'all? But go ahead, Reese. Well, I think um, you had mentioned uh, eight teams or someone had mentioned eight teams. I think Rob may have mentioned it. But even if you include the Power Five and then just take, you know, three at-large or wild-card teams, you're still going to leave out a team like Western Michigan because in this latest poll, they're at, I believe, number 15. So you're going to have a, a 12-0 and Western Michigan this year. What happens when you have a 12-0 and Boise State 
who we know has had a knack of showing up on the big stage against Power 5 teams. So you'll still get squeezed. I think if you open up, uh, open it up to 12 and you uh, give the top four a first-round bye, and then uh, basically you're going to play two rounds after that, you may have to drop a, a, a regular season game or, or, or maybe not. You know, if you start the playoffs right after the uh, conference championship games, which is another topic of discussion, you know, why are we playing conference championships if a conference champion like Penn State doesn't get in? But we'll, you guys already talked about that. But uh, I, I think that if you open it up to that point, you know, to 12, I think you, you'll get a better feel for a good bracket of teams that have a chance. Right now, to be honest, it's just Alabama and everybody else. But that everybody else, you know, there's not much difference between, you know, number two through number six. So, Reese, I agree with you to a point, but I feel like this. I feel like if you go to 12, then why not more? It becomes like, to me, everyone gets a participation trophy. Uh, sometimes some, somebody's going to get left out. <laughs> you know, there's only so much room in a car. And maybe they do something with point di- differential, uh, depending on who you played and stuff like that. It's just, I, I think 12, me personally, 12 is going too far. I I get what you're saying. I I still think ten would be probably uh, or eight to ten. Eight. I'm I'm really stuck more at eight. What What's your thoughts, Robert? Well, I was gonna say too. You know, the more the more teams you add to this playoff, it becomes more of a battle of attrition for these teams because you're just adding another week, you know, of wear and tear to your bodies. And you know, I know NFL guys can handle that 16 week schedule, but I mean, it's still every you know every round you're adding, it's just adding more and more attrition to, you know, the table, so. Yeah, so, but one of the things that uh, Maurice brought up and where we got to go with this is one of the questions that Robert posed, there's there's Bama and who else? Like you said, Maurice, I think had this four went differently, I think if you had Michigan in, in the books, I think Michigan and Ohio State has the best chance to beat Bama. I didn't say they will, but they have the best chance. What are your thoughts, Reese? I think uh, you really need a hybrid team, kind of like a Ohio State and Clemson, where you take Clemson's offense and the, the dynamic play of uh, Watson and then the Ohio State's defense. But I don't think there's another team out there that could – put together a 60-minute game on both sides of the ball and deal with Alabama. Now, the only way Bama's going to lose is, 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 is if they beat themselves with turnovers. You know, we don't know how uh, Hurt is going to play under, you know, extreme bright lights in this playoff. But, you know, we'll see. And, again, <clears throat> one thing that, you know, I, I told my brother uh, a couple of nights ago, Let's not overlook Washington and Chris Peterson. Yeah, I, because I, so. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I I just think that even with that, I think that Urban Myers. I think when you get to these teams in the playoffs, it comes down not only players but coaching. Who is the guy that can get their guys ready and be able to match minds, Imano Imano, with 
nigga Saban. And I think you get him having to worry about not just not saying he wouldn't worry about whoever he's playing, but you have him having to worry about Urban, who has his you know has his number already, and then you have Jim Harbaugh that he has to really think about, and that plays a very similar style of offense that he does. I think that changes the whole intensity in which this playoff goes. Yeah, I think also you can add in. Um, you know, they're already in, but Dabo Sweeney, too, for Clemson, he's high-energy coach. He's going to get those guys ready to go. Um, so, but, yeah, like you were saying, though, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Coach Meyer, they're going to be – those are probably the two closest guys next to Nick Saban who, you know, could give him a run for his money. What about you, Reese? Well, I still think that, <clears throat> you know, going back to what I was about to say, you know, Chris Peterson – He's proven that if you give him three weeks to, you know, game plan for a, a, a bowl game or a big game, he can do it. He did it at Boise State. Now he's working with a better crop of athletes at Washington. So we can't necessarily overlook him because he could possibly shock the world like Boise State, you know, shocked Oklahoma years ago. So, <clears throat> yeah, I understand. You know, Urban Meyer definitely has Saban's number. He, he had his number when he's at Utah. He had his number at Florida and, uh, you know, Ohio State. So, yeah, I, I de- Jim Harbaugh, I don't know. But I'm just saying, you know, in a 60-minute game, who's going to deal with Bama's defense best? Who has the playmakers to deal with Bama's defense? Who Michigan has the, and Ohio the State. speed? You know, and we talked about JT Barrett last week, and I, you know, I, I don't know if he he can do it by himself. You know, he he needs other guys to step up and make plays, and I, if they just you know contain J, uh, JT Barrett, keep him in the pocket, but make him uncomfortable in the pocket, is he going to be able to make the throws downfield? Yeah. And we saw how shaky he was against Michigan for virtually three-quarters of the game uh, last uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, and again, I think he'll be prepared and ready. I think when the lights get brighter, his game typically gets a little better. Granted, the Michigan game could have went either way. I just think they're – obviously, Bama is a notch above everyone else. They, you know, their probably Achilles Hill could be – that rookie or that freshman quarterback hitting the wall. And, you know, lately he's almost like the last game. I felt like, you know, they're putting a more onus on him to try to have to win the game. And, you know, I just think that with the game plan that would be put up and let's not get make it seem like they're automatically going to win their the bowl their first game. But I just think that those two, those two coaches most give him a problem. I think Dabble is a great coach. I think Dabble, to your point, Maurice, has the players that could give a little bit more problem in terms of the team speed. But I think you get Ohio State, you get the guys with team speed, and you get a little meat on the bones, and at least on the offensive line. And I think, and that's what you get with Michigan. And I think that is critical when playing Bama. You got to have some guys with some butt behind them to be able to kind of stop that onslaught that they're trying to 
put on you because those dudes hit with reckless abandonment. I mean, to your point exactly, uh, you know, Alabama, they, I don't know what they feed their kids at, at that school, but, you know, you got to have the size, you got to have the speed, you got to have the, you know, 60-minute relentless mentality to keep up with those guys during the game. Any, you know, misstep, any anything you do wrong in that game is going to be magnified because they're that good. Well, now, Reese, are, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, so, Robert, bring up your subject. Uh, he had, we're going to go into a little basketball. Have at it, kiddo. Hey, so, yeah, UCLA beating the crap out of Kentucky the other day, uh, you know, jumping from number 11 to number 2. Uh, what do you think about that? What do you think about UCLA? Reese, I'm going to let you answer that one. Well, I think it's too early in the season to really, <clears throat> you know, figure out who we have in UCLA. I know they have one, one stud who's putting up Russell Westbrook type of numbers, but <clears throat> it, 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 it was a, definitely a big win going in a rough arena. Who, you know, it's virtually impossible to win, it seems like, in there. But you know, it, it's too early. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't think there's uh, anybody in the Pac-12 that's really got to step up and challenge them for the for the uh, the title this year. Mm -hmm. I think Arizona has taken a, a minor step back. Uh, Arizona State got beat by uh, Purdue the uh, I think last night. So I don't know if there are any other teams out there that's going to be able to give UCLA a challenge, which may hinder them going into the the big dance, you know, uh, later in March. But uh, Kentucky, I mean, you, we saw Ohio State slip up against, I think it was a Florida International or uh, a Florida Atlantic last night. You're seeing a couple of, you know, bigger, bigger basketball schools have trouble with the mid-major, especially with the Conference USA teams. I think uh, Middle Tennessee State, uh, beat Ole Miss, I believe, uh, a couple of nights ago. So I, I think, you know, it, it, the landscape is, is evening out. The parity is, is, is at play more than ever where you have, you know, these mid-major schools that are not afraid to go up against these big boys. So yeah, uh, it's, it's inevitable. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I really don't mess with college basketball uh, until – after football season is about done, to be quite honest, um, just because I almost feel like being a football guy is almost blasphemous. But, you know, I it, it draws my interest more around the Final Four. I mean, at the, at the start of the new year, that's when I get my basketball in. So I'm going to just leave, this, uh, leave that subject to both of you. But we're going to be back in a second. We're going to take a quick break. Um, so stay tuned. flagship station for sports voice america sports these days everyone is looking for information on staying young healthy and fit the voice america health and wellness network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you we talk about everything from diet fitness and aging to substance abuse personal growth mental health and much more learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're back. Um, although I've been watching the games, like college basketball, I've been following up. And so one of the things that Rob brought up <laughs> is Clay Thompson. Russell Westbrook, Westbrook too. Yeah. Russell Westbrook. That dude has no heart. <laughs> he just destroys. <laughs> he does not care. If his mama was there, Russell Westbrook is dunking on he is like sending a message to Kevin Durant, like basically you will slow me down, bro. Your heart, your heart, was too soft to be next to me. I mean, that dude. They're saying, and when they broke it down to things like that, they're saying uh, his average would have been even higher than Oscar Robinson. Did you did you hear that, Reese? No, I didn't. I didn't, but that dude is absolutely ridiculous. And it, he's not just sending a message to Kevin Durant. He's sending a message to the entire league. He is the you know, closest and, and thing to... the league on notice. Yeah, he's the closest thing to Kobe and Jordan in terms of mentality that the league needs again. It makes me want to watch basketball a little bit sooner because when I see a dude like that, it just, it just energizes the room. And he is just a freaking killer. What you think about? <laughs> I hit <Man>. Rob. <laughs> hey, uh, ouch, nah. But uh, that dude, he has no soul, man. He's taking people's souls from him. Grim Reaper, you steal Kevin Durant's nickname from him, the Slim Reaper nickname. But uh, yeah, he's he's what thirty two, ten, and eleven right now. I mean, to average a triple double through almost twenty games, that deep into the season is absolutely absurd. He's six triple doubles in a row. Uh, Nothing but respect for him right now. And just, we'll see how he uh, holds up through the rest of the season. Reese. Yeah, I mean, barring any injury, man, <clears throat> I think he will finish averaging the triple-double because he's doing it so effortless, effortlessly. You know, he, he's, he has the ball in his hand the majority of the time, and he's getting guys good looks at the basket, and, and he's breaking down defenses and kicking out to shooters you know, kind of like what Harden's is doing, you know, with D'Antoni having him at the point. He's putting up astronomical assist numbers. Mm-hmm. But this dude, man, Rob, you said it best, the Grim Reaper. This is what what separates them, not necessarily separates them, but makes them different than Kobe and, 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 and Mike. Yeah. This dude is playing angry for 48 minutes. Angry. Well, Reese, well, he, looks like, he, he reminds me of a pit bull. He reminds me of Pitbull that they fed gunpowder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for real. 
Like, when was the last time you seen Russell smile on the floor? Never. Like, I want to. I've I, never look, seen look, that. I want to see school pictures of him. Like, he wouldn't be. <laughs> he he wouldn't be, even like D Wade. And I love D Wade. Even though LeBron is his homie, he wouldn't have been out there Snapchatting with him and taking pictures before the game. He uh, Russell Westbrook gonna wear his floods tight pants and a, probably a holy shirt and just come in and show the hunger. He is out to devour souls. Like Robert, I mean, couldn't put it any way better. But you look at Clay Thompson. He's a a bitter dude. Like when he plays, even after when he shoots. Have you ever seen Clay Thompson after uh after a game or his interviews, Reese or Rob? Yeah. He. He gets two no Fs. He cares about nothing. No, no, he, you know, right after that game that he, you know, the other night where he dropped 60 points, you know, he's, you know, kind of bragging that he's, you know, on fire. I guess Steph Curry came and dumped some ice on him, and he's like, I'm still hot. It doesn't matter. He, he, like, let <laughs> yeah, me remind yeah, you. I heard him when he said that. He, hey, look, he was like, let me remind you just in case you forgot who I am. And I think that sends a message to the rest of the league, like, it's going to be a long season. What do you think about the Knicks, Reese? Well, <clears throat> you know, going real quick about Clay. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, you know, Clay hasn't really played consistent basketball up until you know that sixty-point explosion the other night. So it was good to see him really, you know, get off the snide and and and, and the teams, you know, the, the team looked for him, you know, and they and they took pride in looking for him. But uh, the Knicks, you know, <clears throat> like I said at the beginning of the season, that was one of the teams that I wanted to uh, watch because, you know, not just because of Derek, but because of Porzingis, Carmelo, and Derek. You know, the mm-hmm. question mark going in was, did they have enough bench strength to really, you know, put them over the top or at least make them competitive? when, uh, you know, guys have to sit down. And, and so far, so good. I think they've, you know, they've, they've proven that they have something there. And, and Derek seems happy. Uh, Carmelo seems happy. Uh, in terms of the triangle, I don't know the, the future of the triangle in New York, but uh, everything looks, looks up and up in, in New York. So, Rob, what did, have you followed, like, the Bulls or anything? Have you seen? Here and there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, so my concern probably similar to what you voiced, Reese, with the Knicks, is with the Bulls. Do they have the bench? You know, they have some dudes, some aging dudes, some Geritol dudes on a, on their starting five. What, what do you guys, I mean, do you guys think that they'll give a push or, you know, they're just going to be doing okay now and fade off at the end? Well, I mean, I think, you know, with the Bulls, you know, they, the way they put their roster together um, is kind of like a, putting a patch on a flat tire. Like, they're just trying to get some short-term success these next couple of years, and then they're some. eventually they're going to have to, you know, completely reload, you know, bringing in a 34-, 35-year-old Dwayne Wade, uh, Rondo, yeah. you know. I mean, I just can't see them making it the duration of a, se- uh, of a season. I, it's going – I would like to see them go and be active uh, with some trades. And it's interesting to hear, Reese, I don't know if you heard about Steve Kerr saying add another guard to Golden State. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if they need another guard. They they really need uh, a big guy, uh, a rim protector. Uh, you know, Jamel Javale McGee comes in and gets a few minutes, but they really need somebody that can uh, give that you know anchor that defense in the middle and stop guys from getting to the bucket. That uh, that could be their Achilles heel. But going back to the Bulls, man, <clears throat> they're so aggravating to watch. <laughs> and a couple of nights ago, after they uh, they dropped the game to uh, Dallas, I said I wasn't going to watch them until the new year because I, my biggest issue, you know, if you if you watch them, I, there's a there's a coaching uh, uh, it, it, something's wrong with with the rotations. Something's wrong with the personnel that is on the floor in key moments of the game, especially down the stretch. Now, there's no reason in the world that Taj Gibson should be on the bench in the last five minutes of a game. No reason in the world. And, and the fact of the matter is the NBA is changing into a three-point contest type of game where you have to have three-point shooters. This is something that the Bulls, don't have. Thank you, Golden State. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you have to be able to knock down threes in this league. And, and you look at their roster, you have a Miritic that can't hit the broad side of a barn with a beach ball. You know, you, you, you have a Jimmy Butler who's great at attacking the basket and, and creating shots, but in terms of having somebody that can knock down threes, Isaiah Cannon has been inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, McDermott has been out with a uh, my uh, concussion protocol. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and they got rid of Tony Snell. So, yeah. and, and, you know, know. And, and there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of season and a lot of games to be played, but we're going to change gears a little bit and – one uh, getting back or uh, getting on to the NFL because we got a few things to talk about in terms of that. Um, Jeff Fisher gets a contract extension, you know. Good lord. Um, so does Les Need. So it's two schools of thoughts with that. You know, one school of thought is some people say, okay, you know, they haven't done anything, get rid of them, blase, blase, blase. But then the other school of thought is, and this is where I'm going to come from with this. We're so used to instant gratification that sometimes there is a process that needs to take place. And that's why you have organizations like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, for a little while they were on the downhill. And when they built up and built up, they give their teams patience. I mean, you know, uh, and when that's happened, Look what you have. You look at even New England. You know, before Belichick got there, they were on a downward spiral. You can't keep on restarting your organization and restarting your organization and restarting your organization. At some time, I mean, how long is too long, but how soon is too soon? What's your thoughts, Robert? Mm, I mean, but you're seeing, you know, on the contrary, you're seeing some teams – they bring in a new coach. They're getting success, like you know Andy Reid going to the Chiefs. You know it's only taken two or three, two or three years. I don't know how long Jeff Fisher's been with the Rams. Maybe a handful of years. I don't know, but I think it's four. It's been four or five years. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I think every situation's kind of unique, you know, because you know it doesn't all boil down to the head coach. It boils down to management. You know, 
the uppity ups each organization. Because I don't care what level you're at, it still is not always about the X's and O's. It's about the Johns and Joes. Yeah. And so uh, you say, okay, did he have the people to play? You know, at one, I say three years ago, I felt like the Rams were the team to beat when they had Chris Long, when they had Nick Farley, uh, and their defense was a little bit more stout. Uh, and then they had the kid that just went to New York, uh, the cornerback. Uh, but I think that in this case, I don't know, like the other thing you got to look at, who, who are you going to bring in? Who are the Rams going to bring in? I mean, Reese, what's your thought regarding that? Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't know who's out there in terms of, you know, that that next coach. Maybe a, a, a McDaniel's. He might be ready to uh, step back in. Perhaps a, a Lane Kiffin. You know, a, a long shot. But my thing is, man, <clears throat> Jeff Fisher's success. If you look at his record, the bulk of his wins came in the first six, seven, eight years when he was with the uh, Oilers and Titans. You, you subtract those years, he's been below average. And that's a number of years. I think he's coached for 17, 18 some years. And he has a losing record in those 17, 18 years. So how long celebrating mediocrity? How long, I mean, even though he didn't have a long time, but how long was Bill Belichick? And Pete Carroll considered losers before they before they came winners. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. And, and, and I'm going to take over just a little bit because we're going to go into break. But I just think that we're our society is so fast now, and you know, could he have done better? We could say so. But then you know, you had a quarterback that he had that was the number one pick. We don't know if that was his pick. We don't know if it was general manager's pick, meaning with Sam Bradford. And now, you know, Sam Bradford goes to Philly. What does he kind of do at Philly? Goes to Minnesota, starts off hot. Here's the reality of who Sam Bradford is. So uh, I'm going to let y'all chew on who Sam Bradford is while we go into break. to the pros we we cover everything everything. let your voice be heard voice america sports are you a real sports fan get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lassiter formerly with the Arizona Cardinals San Diego Chargers and St. Louis Rams Kwame's got the experience so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lassiter's Sports Talk it's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time 12 noon Eastern Time get ready for an unpredictable fun and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're back and we're going to get into the NFL a little bit. This weekend, like I said, I was in Pittsburgh, was able to watch that matchup with New York Giants versus the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And kind of, I'm going to tell you about the little LeBron slash D-Wade deal. Um, Saturday, when the Giants came in, Antonio Brown and uh, his boy, Odell, was hanging out before team meetings and stuff like that. Even though they don't defend each other, me personally, I don't want to see you. I'll see you after the game because I'm seeing them compare us and just that competitive nature in me would be like, yeah, you my dog, but man, I don't want you to have a, I want you to be okay, but I don't want you to have a good game. Um, and, you know, especially with the debate, but man, Antonio Brown, uh, this Sunday against Buffalo, if he, uh, he ties for, right now he ties for NFL League with 88 receptions for this season and 463 catches since 2013. If he gets seven catches, he surpasses Marvin Harrison uh, in a four-year period for uh, the most the players with the most receptions over a four-span uh, period in NFL. Also, Antonio Brown, and by the way, thank you, A.B., for signing my jersey, and that coat you had on, I don't know what animal it is, but PETA is looking for you. Um, but... Brown leads the NFL right now with 11 touchdowns and ranks fourth in the league with uh, 1,052 yards with 148 receiving yards against the Bills. The Brown, Brown will become the fifth player in NFL history to record four consecutive seasons with 1,200 yards. He's not a big dude. He is not a big dude. But, you know, so the game, the pregame to them playing was to debate who is a better receiver. Mm. Uh, says Reese, real fast, who would you say is the better receiver? I think you're going to have to go with uh, Brown, Antonio Brown. <clears throat> as, as the numbers bear it out. All right. So, granted, I think he has, I think uh, Pittsburgh's offense is more conducive uh, to him, you know, they, you know, getting more reception with uh, Le'Veon Bale back there taking some pressure off. But uh, but I think you have to go with that dude, man, especially what what he's done over the last. I'm gonna, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna argue that Reese. I'm gonna argue that Reese because Odell has Victor Cruz. He has the other people that kind of take away from him as well. 
Um, and he had, uh, yes, there's other receivers, but you know Antonio Brown is going to get the ball. And, like, I don't know if you saw the one where he caught at the back of the end zone, and it was the best coverage you could possibly put on him. And that's a ball you throw up to a Larry Fitzgerald, a Calvin Johnson. Not on a good day, 5'10", Antonio Brown. I mean, and he just leaps over and grabs it. Rob, what about you? I'm taking Brown also. He's just, you know, sustained the sustained amount of success he's had over the past, you know, few years. You know, Odell Beckham, he has the potential to have that same success, but, you know, it's just not as proven as Antonio Brown's yet. And Antonio Brown is doing this when teams are fully game planning on him, and, you know, just, they can't stop him. So I was looking up some other milestones this week, and so right now Von Miller with his 12-and-a-half sacks this season uh, is close, what he's th- uh, two-and-a-half sacks short of reaching 75, um, 75 sacks. Well, the, they do it based upon uh, games uh, with the fewest games or whatever. So... Reggie White, check this out. It took Reggie White 62 games, the late, great Reggie White, 62 games to reach 75 sacks. J.J. Watt is second with 82. Bruce Smith, it took him 85 games. The late, great Derek Thomas, it took him 91. And Richard Dent took 92. Von Miller, it took 84. It just shows how great Reggie White is or was. Does it not, Reese? Yeah, I think uh, he was ahead of his time in terms of, like, sheer athleticism and and, and, and skill level, you know, combined at that defensive end uh, position. Uh, he just murdered, you know, every tackle that he was he was up against. So I think in terms of, like, his, 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 physical, his physicality, his agility, I mean, I think, you know, he was kind of like Rakim back in the 80s. He was ahead of his time in, in hip-hop, you know. Yep. And I, I think that, you know, it bears witness today just looking back at those numbers. Yeah, and speaking of numbers, uh, Arizona's David Johnson. I'm going to throw something thing good at, uh, about him. So th- with Gail Sayers' first two years in the NFL – he rushed for 22 touchdowns, had eight touch, uh, receiving touchdowns, and three touchdowns for uh, kick returns. David Johnson right now has 19 touchdowns, eight receiving touchdowns, and one touchdown for a kick return. I mean, talk about great numbers. And then here's the other things. His consecutive games with 100-plus scrimmage yards is 12 games. And... One more, he ties Edwin James for number one to start the most consecutive games with 100 scrimmage yards to start a season. These dudes are tearing it up. And that's why, like, even with him, uh, with David Johnson, I'm like, why can't his name be considered in the MVP race? I hear Derek Carr. I hear uh, Tom Brady. I hear and Tom Brady. Uh, you know, going into the next question we have, you know, 201 wins. I hear um, Matt Stafford for MVP. But why not David Johnson? Why not Von Miller? 
I mean, does does the off or does the MVP have to be an offensive player? Because I think Von Miller literally is having the Lawrence Taylor effect in football right now. Well, you know, <clears throat> he, he's putting up great numbers, but you know how it is, did I? If your team is not winning at the clip that it should win at, it, Arizona is having a subpar season. That's and because they're throwing the ball to the other team. What's that? <laughs> That's because they're throwing the ball to the other team. That has nothing to do with David Johnson ain't throwing a pass. No, seriously. Yeah. Well, you, you know, with with what uh, Dak is doing and, and Ezekiel is doing, there's still a, a lot of shine from a lot of guys in the league. You know? oh. So the, the debate has been Dak and Ezekiel versus Derek Carr. You throw Matt Stafford in there. And so, I mean, it, it's been limited because of winning. Okay. And I think that's why, you know, Dave is, hasn't been, you know, considered in, in that group oh, as of yet. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, real fast, we haven't done this in a while, and I've been doing pretty good at this, so I'm going to continue to try to get my streak together. So, real fast, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. I got Pitt. Pitt. Who do you Pitt. have, Reese? Pittsburgh. All right. Denver at Tennessee, people. I I have Denver. Uh, I'm gonna take Denver on that. That's a close one, but Denver. Tennessee, they gotta win. All they right, gotta win and stay up with uh, Indy. Okay, uh, Washington versus Philly, real fast, fellas. We got a minute left. Philly. Philly. Washington. Washington. I have Washington. Uh, San Diego, Carol, or Arizona, Miami. Miami. All right, Reese. Real, Ooh, you got it. Well, Miami. Well, we're gonna have to do, uh, finish this. We can put this on our Facebook page. We're gonna finish our picks because we're running out of time. Hey, fellas, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Reese, hey man, much love. We gotta get you in the studio, uh, or at least get you on the screen again. And uh, audience, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you. Love you. Uh, happy holidays, and we will talk to you next week. Peace. Peace. All right, we're just about out of here, but make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and friends on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.